55. Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 17. Amen. Again, we appreciate you being here this morning. Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 17. Just one verse. Are we ready? Listen. Let's read it together. Ready? And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You need not turn to it, but in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Again, with the help of God, we want to preach on this morning as we continue, and we're just about to close on this series on the winning side, the helmet of salvation. Let's go to the throne of grace and ask God to help us. Brother George Brown, how about you praying? Amen. You'll be seated. The one picture the Bible portrays is that we are in a battle. It's not enough just to be saved and to enter into this battle by ourselves. We must, we must put on the whole armor of God And the Bible says that when we've done all, to just stand. One of the things that we are seeing today all across our land is a multitude of people that are falling by the wayside, that are dropping out of the battle. Those that used to be Christians, they used to serve God, they used to be faithful, they used to have a shout, they used to have a praise, they used to be this and used to be that. And you say, well, what happened to them was somewhere they failed you to put on the old armor of God or else they never put it on to begin with and Satan shot them full of holes. Or else they had it on and they took it off. Deciding the battle wasn't worth the fight. And all of a sudden, Satan said, man, what a target. And I mean, just begin to shoot them full of the deadly arrows. His deception. And so we find this morning as we think about this armor and if we've looked in the last several weeks on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, buffing up our shoes of peace. And last time we spoke here, getting behind the shield of faith. Well, this morning we want to put on the bonnet of salvation. I want you to note, and just if you're a Bible student, this will help you. In verse 17, when the Bible says, and take the helmet of salvation, that word take there is a little bit different than the word take in verse 13, where the Bible says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. The word take in verse 13 and all the other pieces of the armor 
had the ideal of the armor being laid all out before us. And uh, as you would lay out your clothes in the morning and you get up and you put on the, the, the belt of truth and then you put on the breastplate of righteousness and then you put on your shoes and then you get your shield of faith. When he talks about taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, it is the word that says of someone handing it to you. It is someone saying, here is your helmet of salvation. Of course, that one being our armor bearer, being the Lord Jesus Christ. And that sword of the Spirit is gifts that God has given us. Praise God, I'm glad that God one day gave me salvation, aren't you? Well, one day He said, i got something that you don't just pick up. He said, I've got something I want to give to you. The Bible says for uh, that God, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life. It is something that God has given to us and we receive, much like the sword of the Spirit or the Word of God. And so that's just a little thought there that if you are a Bible student, that might help you. But there's three things in this story about the helmet of salvation that I want to share with you. First thing that it did, my how important this is, it made a proclamation. There was no denial that when they put on this Roman helmet, who they were. It proclaimed to every person around them, I'm a Roman soldier. It it voiced it very loud and very clear. As a matter of fact, these Roman soldiers' helmets were fascinating and and beautiful and, and, and magnificent to just behold to see them. As a matter of fact, many, many say some, some of the most beautiful artwork was on these metal that formed the outside of this helmet that was on the head of a soldier. But he made a proclamation. Number one, it proclaimed that they were very powerful. You would not walk by one of these soldiers without taking note of him. As a matter of fact, it would have been hard not to have noticed a man who had a piece of sculpture on top of his head and wore a helmet. And if that wasn't enough, most of them had these real bright plumes made out of horse hair on top of them. And uh, I mean, they would have been very, very, very bright and very colorful. What I'm trying to say is that these helmets made the Roman soldier very noticeable. Isn't it amazing that the Holy Ghost of God used a Roman helmet to be a type of our salvation? Can I ask you a question? What is the greatest gift that God has ever given you? For some, you would say, well, God did perform the miracle for me. Well, God bless me. I'm going to tell you this morning, the greatest gift God ever gave me was salvation. 
Well, I want you to know it's gorgeous this morning. Hallelujah. It's great this morning to be saved. And there ought to be something about us that whenever we're saved by the grace of God, that everybody around us knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. I'm not talking about wearing a Jesus button either. Amen. There ought to be something around us that says to a lost and a dying world that, hey, that person, that individual, that person there knows Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Do those around you? I remember years ago, I had a man come here and God saved him by his, by his marvelous grace. And uh, talked to him this week. You prayed for him. His health is really bad. And uh, he was telling me, he said, Preacher, I got saved. And I went to work and I started sharing it. And he said, I never knew all those years the people that I worked with, how many of them was really Christians. He said, to tell you the truth, I didn't know one of them was. When I started sharing my testimony, oh yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. I know. He said, but you know what's sad? Not one time did any of them ever take time to stop and say, hey, listen, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Well, when that Roman soldier put on this helmet, I mean, it would have been bright. It would have been flamboyant. It would have, it would have drew your attention almost immediately. And that nobody, nobody had to guess. No, even from a distance, they said, there's a Roman soldier. Hey, that's a Roman soldier. And you know what ought to be in our life? There ought to be in our life a Christianity and a salvation that a world can say, Something different about that person. What's different about them? I gotta find out. I love this. Paul said this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I hope you're not here this morning. Shame on you if you are. Are you ashamed to bow your head at a table and thank God for your food? Now I'm not talking about in your house. I'm talking about in a field in a field restaurant. I'm talking with everybody you're looking. I'm ta- are you ashamed of Jesus? Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, I want you to know it was powerful. Not only was it powerful, but it was very personal. Every Roman soldier would take his helmet and they have found Roman soldiers that's literally got etched in the metal farm scenes and houses or or people. And what, what they would do was they would, every Roman soldier would take their helmet and they would personalize it. It would become their helmet. There would be something. It would be. It would look like a Roman soldier. It would be a Roman soldier, but it would be their their helmet, their personal helmet. They would do something to make. They they would either 
paint it up or make it flamboyant, much like in a, we, we was in a, uh, in our conference this week. In one of the sessions, they had one of the students there. And, uh, the preacher asked him what his name was on. He had a, to- he had a red suit on. I mean, just as red as red could be. And I'm t- he still got like a sore thumb. You couldn't have missed him, amen, in 40 miles. But they would take this, this horse hair and they would put this, this, uh, thing on the top of it, like a mane, uh, uh, like a plume, if you will. And, uh, what, what they would do is many cases, they would make that thing so long it would look like a, a, a stallion's mane. And it had the ideal of, of being man or stallion looking, if you will. What, what he was doing was saying, hey, don't mess with me, I'm bad. That's what he was saying. Uh, uh, this week we, we had something happen. And, and uh, things happen to me and Watts all the time. And I, I come back and I tell Darlene and, and, and Miss Watts, Things happen to us all the time. But this week, they got in on some of the stuff that happens to us. And I, I don't know if it's, I got watch with me, it happens or not. I'm not I ain't figured that out. But anyway, it happens to us. On Tuesday, we went over to the, to the church. We was going to the bookstore. And so we was going to take our stuff into where the class was going to be. And so the door was locked, so we dropped the door a little bit. We weren't going to bust out the glass or nothing. We just dropped the door. And the pastor of First Baptist Church opened the door and let us in. Didn't ask him. He said, hey, y'all come with me. Okay, well, he's a pastor. So we all fell in behind. We go into a radio station, into their own radio station. He interviews this other preacher. And then he said, Okay, Brother Steins, come over here and jump in the seat. And he interviewed me. And I like what he said. He said, I'm not sure you're going to like what he's going to say, but you'll like the way he says it. That's what he said. I'm not so sure he didn't put me on there because I'm from the South. Or what? But I'm sitting there, and the first question he said, Tell me about your style. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. If I were to call your name right up front, by the way, if he'd had enough time, he was going to interview Brother Watts, but he'd run out of time. Ain't that convenient? <laughs> if I were to call your name this morning, stand up and tell me about your salvation. Now, salvation is by faith through grace for all of us. Jesus gives salvation. I mean, it's all the same. But isn't it amazing? Every story is different. It's personal. Oh, I shared with him how I was a little boy at Icarus Grove Baptist Church and got saved at 11 years of age. Then he asked me about how I become a pastor and how, how our church become. And, and, it, and it was really quite interesting. What I'm trying to tell you is I'm a star now and some of you don't even appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be on this, on this worldwide radio probably in 10 years from now. I'm not sure when. Anyway. 
I asked Matthew yesterday, I said, do you want to go ahead and get up before I get my, inter- my autograph now before it gets busy? <laughs> what I'm asking you is this. If you were confronted and said, tell me, tell me about your salvation. How would you answer that? Well, I know I'm saying, well, well, tell me about it. Tell me about it. This was interesting. He asked me in the interview about her salvation, did he not? And I went into great detail. I, 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 well, I shut hers. How we went to revival meeting and everybody got up and went and she was left and how God graciously saved her. Let me ask you a question. If you was to, if, if someone said, stand, called your name and said, tell me about your salvation. Tell me about it. How would you answer that? See, I'm convinced about something. Listen to me. We've been churched to death in our area. I mean, we've been churched out the wazoo. We've been churched to death. But I'm not so sure how many really know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. There ought to be a helmet of salvation. That's your story. Your salvation. What God did for you. And it must be personal. Oh, I love it. I'm glad God saved me that Sunday morning. I remember it so very, very well. Do you have a salvation experience right now? I want you in your mind right now, if you had to stand up and tell me your story. I didn't say, say, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I'm saved. I I, I never met anybody in road history that wasn't saved. Everybody in road history is saved. But they're still doping. They're still meaning the devil. They're still sinning. They say they're saved, but they nothing says they are. Well, I'm asking you this morning, do you have some? How would you answer that? If you could not say, well, I don't have a story. And I, would even, I would beg you to run to an altar and get your own story. But it did something else. It was not only a sign of powerful and personal but it was a sign of preparation. Jake, what's the last thing you did before you went on the field to play ball? No, before you went from the bench to, to the game. Put your helmet on. In professional football... The last thing they do before they go on the field is they put on their helmet. It was a sign. It said, I'm prepared to play the game. You are not going to be prepared to fight the enemy if you don't have a helmet of salvation on. You're not going to be prepared to find the temptation and, and, and the deception He'll send your way. You're not going to fight the battles that's coming our way. You're not going to take a stand for nothing that's coming our way. This next election, those of you that, well, I can't tell you how to vote, but I can tell you this much. I can tell you much. One side don't stand for nothing. One side's a murdering babies. 
One side don't care for nothing, don't stand for nothing. You said, but we've all, I don't care what you voted. I'm going to tell you here this morning, we better take a stand. If you got a hand of salvation, it's to prepare for the battle that's coming our way before Jesus comes. Don't miss, don't miss this. One day you're going to take, we'll have to take a stand. I think Matthew preached on that Wednesday night. Amen. I'm taking a stand. The last piece. So first thing it did, it made a proclamation. Second thing it did, and this is the most important thing it did, it protected. It protected. When Romans would go into battle, one of the things the enemy had was a real thick, broad sword. wasn't very long, but it was very thick. And they would ride horseback. And when they would come through on horseback, they would take that sword and they would sling it as hard as they could towards the head of the enemy. In many cases, they would either bust their head or decapitate them. And, and we were not going to get any grosser than that. What this helmet did, it was very heavy. As a matter of fact, they say that they had to line the inside of it with a foam or feathers because of the weight of it. It was very strong. It was very massive. And it was there to protect them. As a matter of fact, history books tells us that the only weapon that could even penetrate a helmet at all was probably a hammer or an axe. And so the purpose, the one main purpose of this helmet was to protect the head, the mind. How many of you know this? It's going to be really, really tough. Hang on. How many know your head is where your mind is and where you do your thinking? We all on the same page? All right. Well, what happened was they would put this on and it would protect our mind, our thinking. So I believe this morning, the devil targets our minds. I believe he's targeted some of yours. And I believe as he targets our minds, he'll target our minds with three things. Number one, the helmet. The helmet will do at least three things. Number one, it will protect you from having a divided mind. You know, the Bible says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amos 3.3, Can two walk together except they be Agreed. We need a singular focus. We need a stone-faced quality of Jesus. This divided loyalty, split allegiance, this half-heartedness, uh, it, does, it does some things for us. And, and we're in this multitasking society and, and what we're doing, we, we, want a, we want a little God and we want a, uh, we want a little of the world and we, we, want, uh, uh, we, we, want, we, want, we want one foot in the world, we want one foot in God. We, we want this multitasking. We, we, we want both. We've come to a place that we want everything God gives us, but we want all the pleasures and the joys of this world we want both the Bible says a double minded man is unstable in all of his ways 
all of his ways. He says, well, like a, wind, like a wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed to and fro. He says, this man should not receive anything of the Lord. As a matter of fact, he said, a person who wavers in faith is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Everything he does is a person who's got two minds. He's not sure. He's uncertain. He feels yes. He feels no. He begins and he backs up. Then he believes and he disbelieves. He, he trusts and he distrusts. And he's unstable. The very reason I believe so many of us receive so little from God. And that's the reason we need this helmet of salvation. Therefore, my beloved, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I read this story. A Civil War soldier couldn't decide on which side he was going to do. So he put on a pair of gray pants and a blue jacket and both sides shot him. Couldn't decide which one he's on. Well, Joshua said in 24, 15, Choose you this day whom you will serve. We're living, we're almost to a day now. We're going to, God, God's going to, this world's going to demand, this world is going to demand, we want all of you or nothing of you. We want you to give us everything or don't give us nothing. Well, I want you to know I'm going to serve God. Amen. In Revelation 3.16, so then because they are lukewarm. That's what a little cold and a little hot, a little of the world and a little, it creates lukewarmness. And the Bible says, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Pope Alexander VII asked a Greek man, why don't you become a priest? He said, because I might want to get married. Why don't you get married? Because I might want to become a priest. Those young men... There's a young man, I'm sure Brother Watson knows exactly what I'm talking about. He comes. He comes to pray every, every Saturday about it. He's a fine young man. Great, great potential. Great potential. But last time I talked to him, he's going to about three or four different churches. He'll go somewhere on Sunday morning. He's a different place on Sunday night. He's a different place on Wednesday night. He comes here to pray on Saturday. And I bet you I've spent hours with him. And finally one day I just said, you know, son, I love you dearly, but I'm going to be honest with you. God's never going to be able to help you with anything until you get settled. You make a commitment. You be, you be in one place and be committed to that place. This, this on and off and wishy-washy and on and off. I said, you're never going to get anything from God. And, and, and you know what? Uh, I, the more I've been around, the more I've understood. This young man can't make a commitment to nothing. He won't even sign the contract for his cell phone. He's not going to make a commitment. And he's like this man right here. He's, got, he's, he's like this man right here. And you know what he needs? He needs a helmet of salvation because he's got a divided mind. He's got a divided mind. Well, that's the reason we ought to put this helmet on this morning. We ought to put this helmet of salvation on to protect our mind to not be divided. Number two, I believe not only a divided mind here, but I see a deceived mind. 
But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Well, I want you to know, you say, well, how does Satan deceive our minds? Listen, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat every tree of the garden. He didn't deny God's word. He cast doubt on God's word. He didn't say, Boy, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. He said, I'm not real sure I believe that, Eve. I'm not real sure, Eve, that's the truth. I'm not real sure that's right. And he cast doubt on that word. He didn't openly deny the word. He cast doubt on that word. For God did know in the day that you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be opened, you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Someone said the slippery slope begins with a gradual before you hit the big drop off. And a point of no return, one of the saints' greatest tools is the power behind a deceived mind. Romans 7, 11, For sin, taking occasion by commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. 1 Corinthians 6, I know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Galatians 6, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Boy, boy, this is a big one. Don't miss this one. Matthew 7, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, in thy name, cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, the deceived mind. We need protection from being deceived. Not only that, but the discouraged mind. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, but let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of love, faith and love and, and a helmet, the hope of salvation. Hope in the Bible isn't wishful thinking. It's an unwavering confidence in God. When that soldier put on that helmet of salvation, when he put on that helmet, he was saying, I am going to believe that this helmet will keep me safe. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we're not trusting in in church or preacher or others. We're trusting in a holy God to keep us safe. And when we get discouraged, when a soldier loses hope, he's lost the battle. When a soldier loses hope, you've lost the battle. When you give up, you lose. When you throw in the towel, surrender, you lose. I love this. The general and his men were completely surrounded in battle. He said to his soldier, Men, they're on all sides. Don't let one of them get away. I like that. That should be the attitude that you and I have. That should be the attitude that we have as Christian soldiers. 
Well, we, we're seeing a discouraged day. We're seeing a lot of God's people discouraged. I, I hope you'll come back tonight. With the help of God, I'm going to preach a message on don't, do you trust me enough to walk with me? Do you trust me enough to walk with me? I hope you'll come back tonight. I may have tempted this chapter, but I'll come back tonight. Because I believe there's a lot of discouraged people in our world. A lot of discouraged Christians. And the reason they, they're discouraged is they don't have this helmet of salvation to protect their mind, their thinking. When we don't have this helmet on, as a matter of fact, I'm, I, and I think I'm correct on this, unless it gets knocked off, you get penalized in a football game if you take your helmet off out on the field. Is that correct? I don't know about high school. Is it that way in high school? If you take the helmet off, you get penalized. You know why? Because when you take that helmet off, you are a target. You are a target. And whenever we, when we, when we take off the helmet of salvation, we become a target to be discouraged. Because we're trusting in something besides the helmet of salvation. I, I'm, I'm amazed at this. We're not standing. This morning, I, I, one, of the, one of the great things that this week helped me to be reminded of, and oh, how I need to be reminded of this. I'm, I want to stand today because of Him. I, I want to stand today not because of people. I love you. I thank God for this church. I, and I, I love being pastor. I love this people. I love my church. I, I love church. I like church. But I want you to understand something. If I stand today, I've got to stand on Jesus. Because people will come and go. And there's some people that's when, and I, I probably knew why they went. But oh, there's been many folks that's left, and, and I've been leave, left scratching my head saying, I don't understand that. And I, and I reached out to him and said, you're puzzling me. I don't understand that. Why? What? 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 And, and to this day, I still don't have a reason. And if my stand was there, I would have done fell over. But my stand's not there. I went to God this morning, and guess what? He's still on the throne. I went yesterday, and guess what? He's still in the same place. He's still on the throne. I'm going to go to him this evening and guess what? I got a good hunch. He'll still be right on the throne. I'm going to go to him tomorrow when the battle comes or the issue comes and guess what? He's still going to be on the throne. I want you to understand that's what we ought to put our stand in is in him and not on these other things. But we've got to have the helmet of salvation on. Then last of all, this helmet will do one more thing that is so powerful. Oh my goodness, there's a great promise. Not only, not only does it proclaim, everybody could look and say, Wow, there's a Roman soldier! Boy, what ought to be saying, there's a Christian that loves God. That, he loves God. That woman loves God. That young person loves God. 
Your wife, your husband ought to say, man, they love God. It's powerful. It's making a proclamation. But then it ought to do something else. It ought to be not only a proclamation, but it ought to be very personal. You ought to have your own story. This one, if you don't have your story, you ought to get your story before you leave today. You ought to be able to stand up and tell any person, any place, any time, when Jesus saved you by His marvelous grace. And if you can't do that, you ought to run to an altar and say, God, I don't have that story to tell, but I want that story to tell. Last of all, He gives you a great promise. How many of you believe we need peace in our world? How many of you believe there's a lot of God's people need peace? A lot of people are fearful. Well, we're living in a very fearful day, a very unnerving day, a very stressful day in a lot of people's lives. Listen to what the Bible said. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Wow. Boy, I tell you, the storm's just coming. Yeah. But you know how perfect peace. The economy's going crazy. Yeah. But you can stay in perfect peace. The world's going crazy. Yep, it is. But you can be in perfect peace. The Bible said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because, here's how, he trusteth in thee. Now let me help you. Here's the reason why so many people are, are fearful, they're scared, they're worried, they're fretting. You're trusting in something in this world, whether it be job, money, uh, uh, government, the economy, whatever, the next president. That's a joke. You're trusting this. But if you could just look a little higher and trust Him, then the Bible says, I'll keep you in perfect peace. When the world's going crazy around you, you smile there by and say, man, it's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to know Jesus. Because the Bible says where pilgrims and strangers are passing through. I go back to point number two. Do you have a personal story? When I sat in the chair, he introduced me, introduced our church. The first question, Brother Steins, tell me about your salvation. Well, I'm glad. Wow. I'm so glad I've got my story. Do you have yours? That's all standing to her feet, every head bowed, never eye closed.